0: Hello and welcome back to the Space News Pod, a daily podcast about space, science, and tech. And today's episode is Dr. David Warmflash. We're going through some illnesses that happen. Well, it's kind of the human condition that happens with explorers in space. Now, Dr. David Warmflash, he's also the author of Moon, and Illustrated History from Ancient Myths to the Colonies, of tomorrow, and here he is, speaking about how even astronauts, our heroes, can get sick.
1: It happened for a medical reason. There was a uh,
0: <coughs> third time I'm bringing up Charlie Duke.
1: So Charlie Duke, who would go later to the moon uh, in 1970, when they uh, it was they were getting ready to launch Apollo 13, Charlie Duke came down with a disease called rubella. And for all the kiddos listening, you probably never heard of rubella because your friends don't get rubella because you've been vaccinated because your parents are really smart and made sure you got your MMR vaccine. Although if you live in one of these kind of snotty communities that says we don't like vaccines because, oh, well, they cause autism, which they don't, by the way, then... Maybe maybe you will start seeing cases like that. Just as they're starting, they're seeing cases of the measles all over the place now. The rubella has been nicknamed German measles because uh, I don't know why actually, but it's also being called three-day measles because it's a kind of a shorter a shorter sickness than the measles. But it's a really bad thing to get, especially if you're orbiting the moon and your two friends are going down to the surface of the moon. And there was one astronaut on, a, on the Apollo 13 crew, Ken Mattingly, who had never had rubella when he was a kid. And in those days, they didn't have the benefit of having this wonderful vaccine to prevent rubella. It was just coming out. It came out in during the late 60s, and then it was put together with the vaccine for measles and mumps right around that time when when Apollo 13 was, was leaving. So those guys would not have been vaccinated and so so their friend charlie duke actually caught rubella and because all these guys are all training together they were worried about well the two other guys on apollo 13 um jim lovell the commander and fred hayes well they had had rubella when they were kids so they were they were immune but mattingly hadn't had it and they thought well if he catches it from duke that's it and those guys will be coming up from the surface they'll have a huge high fever He'll have a rash all over his body. He'll be he'll be dehydrated. He'll be in horrible condition. That could that could that could be the end of the whole mission right there. All three of them could die. So they decided they gotta replace either the whole crew with the backup crew, or take the command module pilot from the backup crew, uh, Jack Swagert, and replace Ken Mattingly. And that's what they did. So here they are, two days before the mission and they're going to the moon with a kind of unrehearsed group dynamic. But they they had a worse problem, it turned out, because they, they ended up having a big explosion on the way to the moon and had to use the lunar module as a lifeboat, and they just barely got back to Earth with their lives.
0: I'm going to take a quick break, and when I get back, more from Dr. David Warmflash. And that's another thing. People think of Apollo 11 when they think about the um, the Moon, right? So they don't think about these other missions, like the ones before Apollo 11, that actually made it possible for the Apollo 11 astronauts to go to the Moon. Now we're going to go back to the Moon soon, I hope, by 2024. That's the plan. And hopefully politics doesn't get you know uh, involved this time and we just get to go back.
1: Hopefully, it'll be economically productive, right? Yeah. because if they can get industry going on the moon, as Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Bezos wants to do, to move heavy industry from Earth to the moon, so that we're not polluting our environment the way that we're doing, polluting now, and then if we can get energy from the moon, which there are two really, really good ways to get energy from the moon. One, we're ready to do right now, right this second we have the technology. And the other, we don't have the technology yet, but we could have the technology if we put more work into it. The first one that we can do right now is to get solar power from the moon and then beam the solar power to Earth in the form of microwaves. That's that's very low tech. We could, we could do it, and you could line the surface of the moon uh, with tissue paper-thin photovoltaic cells. The moon is basically built of what you can use to make Photovoltaic cells. It's silicon dioxide, and you have all the all the needed elements you need to put in for the electronics, and you could collect solar energy there. and You could power all of Earth's energy needs. You can't do that with solar power on Earth. And there's been a, an actual economic analysis by a physicist from the University of Houston, David Criswell. He's been doing this since the 1970s, and he figured out that. If you're going to do solar power on a large scale, it's cheaper to do it on the moon rather than on Earth because on Earth you've got to build these huge cement and glass structures to survive the weather and you've got to have a way to um, distribute the power. On, Earth, on, on the moon it's a lot easier to do it. You just have to get to the moon. And you can use 3D printing, you can use robots and all that. And then the other way to get energy is you get helium-3, which uh, the solar wind deposits into the into the lunar surface. And that could be a, a fuel for advanced nuclear fusion energy. So the moon can help us with our sustainability. Um, and then then the public really would be into it. The, the public doesn't seem to have much of an attention span on it. After the first couple of Apollo missions uh, that landed on the moon, 11 and 12, they really weren't so... Anyway, they thought it was routine, and you get this a little bit in the in the movie Apollo thirteen, based on the book Apollo thirteen by Jim Lovell. You uh, you get a sense of how the public was lo- losing interest. They were on their way to the moon, and those three channels that you were talking about—Channel Two, Channel Four, Channel Seven—they didn't even show it. They were supposed to show the to tell of the, the telecast on the way to the moon of Lovell and his crew. And they said no, you know, nobody, people want to watch um, Mickey Mouse or whatever, whatever it was in those days <laughs> that they that they showed instead of uh, of of the astronauts going to the moon. And this was going to be a really scientifically a really exciting mission because they were going to the Far Mauro region, which was the first highland region that astronauts were ever going to visit, and that would that would tell them a lot scientifically about the moon. Mobile was really excited about that. Um, but the public was kind of distracted by well, Vietnam and everything was happening there, and by well, um, other things going around on around the world, and that the fact that it was uh, the number of the Apollo mission was number 13. Media actually made a big deal about that. Instead of asking about, oh, you're gonna to, From Morrow which was formed when the Imbrian Basin was formed, when a big impact carved out the Imbrian Basin and all the catapulted material came back down in the moon and formed this highland region from Amaro. And that can tell you a lot about the origins of the moon. They didn't want to hear about that. They wanted to hear about, how could you name this Apollo 13? Isn't that bad luck?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, no. Yeah. And, you know, what the cool thing is, what, when you said uh, that, Four and seven weren't covering it. Great thing about today is that they don't need to cover
1: it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: We have YouTube. Everyone can tune into a SpaceX launch anytime they want to. Yeah. NASA launch. And it's amazing. They were able to
1: get through Yeah, they'd be able to cover today, even with all the other distractions that were happening in nineteen seventy. Vietnam and of course the Beatles breaking up, that was really big news right around then too. So it just people and they want to hear about it, except the people who were scared of the number
0: 13. Right. NASA
1: loved that in their face. NASA thought that was so dumb that, Hey, it's the 20th century and people still scared of the number 13. They, they just said, Oh, come on. And but the, in fact, the, uh, the launch, the launch director, not the launch director, the flight director, Gene Kranz of the mission, he also, wrote a really cool book about Apollo 13 about called uh, um, Failure is Not an Option. He's quoted as saying that Kranz is a really cool guy. He was so, he thought it was so dumb that the public was worried about the number 13 that he scheduled the, the launch for 13, 13 hours.
0: <laughs> That's in modern well, times. A 24-hour would...
1: military time. That's 1:13 p.m. Okay, <laughs> So 13:13. He and they would be approaching the moon on the 13th of April, getting closer to the moon. He just wanted to rub that in everyone's faces. NASA, unlike many hotels in that time period, didn't have their elevators skip the 13th floor. <laughs> they they were fine with
0: 13. And there you have it. Astronauts getting sick. Unlucky number 13. Mysteries. Not really mysteries. Pretty cool stuff, though, from Dr. David Warmflash. Make sure to pick up his book, Moon, an Illustrated History from Ancient Myths to the Colonies of Tomorrow, on Amazon. And I have a link to it in the show notes. Check out my other podcast, Wayfair, which is going to be dropping this Friday. That will be the 24th of May. That's tomorrow. So, Hit that up. The first episode is going to be basically a rundown of like who I am, you know, why I'm doing this podcast. First episode is just going to be me, me, me. (laughs) So if you want me to talk about stuff like that, um, make sure to check it out. Wayfair, W-A-Y-F-A-R-E. That'll be dropping tomorrow on Friday, the 24th of May. So check that out any podcast platform also thank you for subscribing to this podcast and if you haven't subscribed to the space news pod make sure to hit that subscribe button right now and you'll become one of the coolest people in the universe i guarantee it now i want to say thank you to all my sponsors and thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it here with me on the space news pod my name is will walden i'm your host and i will see you soon Tomorrow more with Dr. David Warmflash.